Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on identity. When Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister of the United Kingdom, one day she visited a retirement community and she was going around shaking hands with the residents. One elderly woman didn't recognize who she was. So Thatcher asked her, do you know who I am? The lady stared at her for a few seconds and said, no, ma'am, but if you ask the nurse, she can probably tell you. And I think that is such a, a, a great illustration as we start our uh, conversation today on knowing who I am in Christ and really living out my identity and worth with who I am in Jesus. Reality is this. Most people struggle with identity. When they start to answer the question, who am I? Why do I exist? What is my purpose for being on the planet? So many people struggle with just those simple questions. Here's what we know. When we study scripture, God is a God of beauty and creativity. He created the world and all of what we see is just filled with majesty and wonder. And the problem for most of us it's not about appreciating the beauty that God has created, but it's more about us associating our worth with trying to carry a certain image. Think about this. What do you see when you look in the mirror? What do you see? Psychology 101 says that we see what we're prepared to see. And as a culture, we are obsessed with outward appearance. What we oftentimes experience, even in our own journey, we've been shaped so much by the culture in which we find ourselves living. So what we see is what we're told to see, and what we're told to see is physical appearance. Did you know that the global beauty industry, think about that, the global beauty industry is worth about $532 billion. Think about that. The global beauty industry, it's worth about $532 billion. Americans spent over $90 billion last year on cosmetics. They spent over $12 billion on hair care products. And you can tell I'm not spending a lot of money in those areas. Uh, Americans spent over $74 billion on dieting. That's a lot of money this year. If you start to read the stats and numbers, 7 million people will undergo cosmetic surgery. Five out of six are women. And we live in an image-obsessed culture, and it's only getting worse. The, the mirror can become so distorted. Image begins to drive what we view ourselves as in regards to identity and even our worth. And as a result of that, so many people live in the land of comparisons with misguided obsessions, and life becomes all outward. Comparison destroys contentment. Comparison will destroy the joy of the Lord being central in your life. Think about this. I was reading and just kind of pondering some stats in this area. The average American woman is five foot four and weighs 150 pounds. The average model 
is 5'9 and weighs 115 pounds. Did you know that over the past 30 years, that most Miss America winners have a body mass that rates them in the range of malnutrition? Models, when you look at what is being presented to us, models are literally dying to create a look. They're starving themselves to create a certain look. And there's so much distortion that goes into creating the look we see. It's, it's, a, it's an illusion. To me, as I start to think through this, models are not just modeling clothes. They're modeling, honestly, a disease. They're not just selling products. They're selling a twisted worldview. And here's what it says. If you look a certain way, you'll be noticed and people will like you and you will be loved and you will be accepted. And so many people are driven and defined by comparison and it's not reality. So many people are being mugged today by the mirror. You look in the mirror and you start to uh, assume that that is who you are. I'm fat. My hair's ugly. Uh, I'm overweight. I need to do this. I need to do that. And so many of us never allow what God says to be true about us to be enough. We're allowing ourselves to be mugged by the mirror. We've been sold a lie. Hey, if you look this certain way, I'm telling you, you'll be admired. What you, what you wear, where you live, what you drive, the house you live in, the friends that you keep, you've got to present this certain image because if you present this certain image, then you'll be liked, applauded, noticed, and loved. And that is so jacked up as a culture. When you start to look at the culture in which we live, we care so much more about being and an attraction than we do truly being just attractive. And we've been lied to, and, and we must stop today. You've got to stop, because the way you see yourself shapes your life. And we're all tempted by the enemy, and about uh, we're all tempted by the world in which we find ourselves living in the lust of the flesh. We're all tempted to really see ourselves with a distorted lens. And for some, it's an inflated view. Others, it's a deflated view. We tend to see ourselves in extremes. And, and, and for some, for some of us, we tend to think that others see us as just being jacked up. Oh, look at you. You're all broken and, and beaten, and you're, you're so messed up. And you may even today see yourself as an addict or even a former addict. And, and for so many, you sit there and you go, that's me. I see myself as a failure. And, and, and if that's what you believe about who you are, you'll never become who God wants you to be. How you define your life is going to determine your destiny, is going to determine the direction that you take in life. It is so crucial. John Baker, he started a, a ministry years ago called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a Christ-centered recovery group. He did not allow people to introduce themselves based on their addiction. 
for an example. Hi, I'm Tim, and I'm an alcoholic, or I'm Tim, and I'm a meth addict, or I'm Tim, and I'm a heroin addict, whatever. He, he would not allow people to define themselves that way. He had each person that claimed to be a follower of the Lord define themselves and identify themselves upon introduction in this way. I am a believer and follower of Jesus, but I struggle with a certain issue. Now, there is a huge difference because identity drives activity. And there's a huge difference in how you see yourself and how you define yourself. And and here's the truth. Your identity isn't your sin struggle. Your identity is who you are in Christ. Your identity is who you are in the Savior. I've had people say this to me over the years. Well, Tim, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. I'm not. I was a sinner saved by grace. But God says my identity now is, Tim, you are a saint that occasionally sins. That is a huge uh, transition of thought right there. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man, any woman, any person is in Christ, they are a new creation. So when I come to faith in Christ, I am a new creation. I'm not a better version of what I used to be. I am a new version of what God is desiring me to be. Huge. So here's, here's what I want to encourage you with. Do not let your past define you any longer. Again, other people may see you as broken and, and damaged, but I can promise you that is not how God sees you. I don't know where you're at today in your walk with God. I mean, you may still be an A, apathetic toward the gospel. Maybe you're a B, becoming interested in the gospel. Maybe you're a C, you're starting to uh, confess Christ and you've repented. Maybe you're a D, maybe you're developing as a disciple of Jesus, or maybe you're an E. Maybe you're at a place where you can equip other people. I, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord today. But you must understand and truly embrace how God sees you and what God says to be true about you. It'll change your life. You'll never be the same when you start to walk in your identity in Christ. And and if you're really a born-again believer, you've been saved. The Bible says you are a child. You are a child of God. John 1 12 and 13 says, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so, even as a dad, even as a parent, I look at my kids and go, yeah, you belong to Barb and I, but through faith and repentance, you belong to the Father. You belong to God. You're a child of God. Your God created the world. Your God, he is so crazy about you. And and I would encourage you, I would encourage you, as you think through this, as a child of God, there will never be a time in my journey where I'm not a child of God because I believe what God believes about me. I receive what God says to be true about me. He goes, you're my child. 
And when God looks at you, he doesn't look at all your failures. And he's not counting all your flaws of the past. And he's not counting all your past sins. When God looks at you, if you've truly repented and you receive Christ and you believe, he sees you as a child of God. It is so crucial. Now, psychologist David Benner defines identity as the me that each of us uh, carries within us. So as I go through life, what's your identity? It, it's, it's the me that I carry around. Identity, honestly, for so many, it's just based on how we view ourselves. It's the foundation that I build my life on. It is where I find my worth, acceptance, uh, significance. But your true, true, true identity is who God says you are. And you will never, I promise you, you will never discover who you are by looking at yourself just in the mirror and listening to what other people have to say. The Lord gets the first word and the Lord gets the last word. The Lord gets the first word. You were created in the image of God. It doesn't matter where you're from, what color you are, whether you're tall, whether you're short, whether you're thin, whether you're a little heavy. God gets the first word. He goes, you have been made in the image of, of the triune God. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God gets the first word. God gets the last word. We're all going to stand before God one day. It's appointed a man wants to die and then stand before God. God gets the last word. God gets the final say. So if God gets the first word and God gets the last word, why don't we let him have every other word that is true about us in this journey? It doesn't matter what other people say about me. Again, Galatians 1.10, am I seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? And if I was seeking man's approval, I could not be a servant of Christ. And, and it's so crucial. Again, in our culture today, we oftentimes allow ourselves to be defined through our jobs or through our financial status or maybe even you're a student and you're defined by your grades or your appearance or what others say about you. But if that is our identity, then you've got to ask the question, what happens when you experience failure? What happens when a friendship ends? What happens when you get fired from your job? If, if my identity is based on all that stuff, what happens is my foundation is shaken. And it will cause you to run to another source to try to find identity to define you. And it is so, so twisted. If you are not secure, if you are not secure with your identity and your worth and you allow external things to define you, I can promise you this, you will never have stability. The person who lives only for the love and the attention and the applause from others will never be satisfied because in spite of and, 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 and despite your best efforts, you will never find lasting peace if you must prove yourself to others. The desire to be loved and the desire to be accepted 
is a symptom of a deeper need. And it is a need deep down inside each and every one of us that governs so much of our behavior and our actions. And deep down inside, because of emotional pain and different things that have happened, so many struggle with self-worth. And and we've got this. I just want to know that I matter. God says you matter. God says you're beautiful. God, God says he created you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Christian counselor Larry Crabb, listen to what he said. He describes our need for self-esteem this way. He said the basic need of each person is to regard himself as a worthwhile human being. I'm like, yeah. Now, Larry, I, I, he's one of my favorite writers. I've read a lot from him. Uh, he, he was the, uh, he had his counseling program at Grace College when I first started going there in 1989. And, and, and I've sat there and I was like, Larry, you're right. Every human being wants to believe uh, that, they, that, that, that they have worth. And he goes on to say, everyone aspires to be happy, successful. They want to have a healthy belief in himself. But you're not going to find it in the world. When our identity is established, rooted, and founded in who we are in Jesus Christ, it means this. Oh, and Brennan Manning went off on this for so long. But this is what it means. When we think of ourselves, the first thing that comes to our mind is this. I am deeply loved by God. Oh, when, when, you, when you wake up in the morning If you really believe what God believes about you, the truest thing should pop in your mind, I am deeply loved by God. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. And you've got to ask, how would would seeing yourself this way change the way you live every day? How would it change you? Now, we're going to dive in uh, when we start to come out of the summer in the fall And we're going to go through the book of Ephesians uh, in in the fall. I can't wait to dive into it. It's one of the the strongest uh, books in the Bible, if you will. But one of the strongest passages, I believe, about identity is found in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in 3 through 14. You can read that. But Paul explains in detail to the believers in Ephesus. This is who you are in Christ. This is your identity in Christ. Christ. And he starts Ephesians 1 by declaring, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he goes on to to say, we have been chosen, we have been adopted, redeemed, forgiven, graced, unconditionally loved, and we are accepted in Christ. He goes on to say, we are pure, blameless, forgiven. We have received the hope of the gospel. We believe without a doubt in our minds that we're going to spend eternity with God forever and ever and ever. And when we are in Christ, our identity can never be altered by what we do. This is who you are. This is what God has given you. And, 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 and we've got to stop and go, you know what? God created us to be human beings, not human doers. And I just got to be. I, I just want to sit there and believe what God believes about me. Now, oftentimes, there's a gap that exists between intellectually knowing these truths based on Ephesians 1, 
This is what God says. This is what God has declared over me. There's a gap between intellectually knowing it and actually living it out. And how we interpret life experiences, oftentimes we empower to define us. Now, in order to live out the fullness of your identity in Christ, you, and and this is something I had to do years ago, and I promise you, you must identify and determine what is it that's hindering you from living in freedom. Now, this is what God says about you. This is who God declares that you are. But what is in my life right now that's hindering me or it's just weighing me down so that I can't walk in freedom. Now, it varies from person to person. And so often a false belief or a lie we've embraced and we've allowed it to wedge, create a wedge between how God sees us and how we really see ourselves. Now, I am redeemed. I am loved. I am accepted. God says, Tim, you're pure. You're blameless. But maybe for you, you've allowed a life experience to cause you to feel like you're impure. Maybe you feel like you deserve shame and blame. And as soon as you go there, what you're going to conclude is, that's how God sees me as well. It's it's, it's bad. It It will beat you up. It will keep you down. And the enemy will keep you very... Uh, ineffective. What ends up happening is you then create and live out an identity which is opposed to how God sees you. Again, we must define what we're allowing to shape our identity. Even based on Ephesians chapter 1, there's some of you who have the false belief or you bought into a lie that when you start to hear words that I mentioned, you go, well, that, 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 that's not true with me. I feel rejected. I don't feel accepted. I, I feel like I'm in bondage. I don't feel like I'm redeemed and free to walk with Jesus. Tim, I feel like I'm still under the law. I don't feel like I'm covered by grace. Tim, I feel abandoned. I don't feel accepted and adopted as a child of God. And, and, and if you're going by those feelings, feelings come and go, it will destroy any joy that the Lord desires to have in your life. Because when you live out of a false identity, it is opposed to our new identity in Christ, and it will affect everything in our lives. If you do not understand the gospel and you think, I'm still under the law, you will think, I've got to do more for God in order to be right with God. God will really like me and applaud me when I'm doing more. And you will never get to the place where you rest in the finished work of the cross. So many people live there. Man, I got to do more. I've just got to perform. And you feel like God's got these skills and he's weighing all this stuff in your life. But once you recognize that's a lie and you surrender it to God in repentance, I got to repent from that lie. And repent means to change your source. I'm no longer allowing what others think about me. I'm no longer allowing my past to define me anymore. I'm changing my source. I'm plugging into the Lord and to the word of God. It, It will change everything about you. When you start to build your life on truth instead of a lie, it radically changes everything about you. And sometimes for some of us, 
the lie you believe is connected to a painful experience. Now, let me me encourage you with something. Tim, I believe this lie. There was this painful experience in my journey. And whether it was self-inflicted or whether somebody else violated you, there's real pain. Let me me encourage you today. This is going to help you so much. Take some time to grieve over what that sinful experience was. And then invite the Lord into that place of brokenness. Father God, I invite you into this pain. I invite you into that experience that I've continued to empower. No matter what it was, Lord, I invite you in to bring about healing. And after you have surrendered the lie over to God, then pray, God, will you help me believe what you believe about me? Will you help me believe the truth of what you say about me? And then Just start to stump in it and make the choice to believe it. Every day, we've just got to practice believing. This is what God says. God is the trump card in my life. God gets the first and last word. I'm going to give him every other word. And and, and reality is, as you start to walk in it, you, you might not feel forgiven or blameless, but you'll start to walk in the truth and say, God, you declare that I'm pure, that I'm holy, that I'm redeemed, and it will start to change your narrative. Now, let me say this in closing. I would encourage you to really ponder and meditate on 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. And this is a passage I memorized years ago. Uh, I needed it, okay, personally. I, I just needed it. I, I just needed truth, and I, I needed to, to believe what God was saying to be true about me. But 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3, it says, though we walk in the flesh, okay, we're in human uniforms still. We're still living on planet Earth. I'm walking in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh, My battles are not against other people. Even other passages talk about the spiritual warfare that's going on in the heavenlies. Though I live in this flesh, I'm not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So the weapons and tools that God has given me, I have the power to demolish any bondage areas, any strongholds. He goes on to say, we destroy arguments. We destroy every opinion that is being raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought that comes our way captive to obey Jesus Christ. Hey, we're living in this flesh. And and around us, there's battles, but the deeper, heavier battles are in the spiritual realm. And God says, I've given you truth. I've given you weapons to fight this. That's the reason we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Eugene Peterson, he died a few years ago. Again, he wrote the message. And I love how Peterson kind of captures this uh, 2 Corinthians 10 passage, but he said it this way. He said, the world does not live by principles. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. The world does not fight fair, but realize this, the tools and weapons that God has given us, they're not for marketing. They're not for manipulation. They are for demolishing corruption in our culture. That's where we need to be living. 
We need to see the corruption for what it is and speak truth against it. He goes on to say, we smash warped philosophies. We smash these philosophies that are erected against the truth of God. And I want to encourage you to walk in that today. No matter what the enemy may be trying to bring against you, greater is he who lives inside of you than he who is in the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory, our faith in the risen Christ. And if we live our identity based on who God says we are, and based on how God sees us, we will no longer feel the need to find our worth in external circumstances and what other people say about us. We would live freed up with confidence. And that's what God is inviting you into today. God values you. I close you with this story. A father said to his daughter, Here's a car I purchased many years ago, but before I give it to you, I want you to take it down to the used car lot and see how much they'll give you for it. So the daughter went to the used car lot. She returned back to her dad and said, they offered me $1,000 for it because they said it looks worn out. The father said, hmm, take it to the pawn shop and see what they'll offer. She went down to the pawn shop and returned, and she said, they offered me $100 because they said the car is very, very old. The father said, I want you to do this. I want you to take it down to the car club, and I want you to show it to them. And she did. And she returned back to her dad and said, Dad, they offered me $100,000 for that car because they said it's an iconic car. It is sought after by so many. And her father put his arm around her and said, now, honey, listen to me, please. The right place will always value you in the right way. If you're not valued, don't get mad. It just means you're in the wrong place. Those who know your value are those who will appreciate you. And I can tell you, God values you. You have been created in the image of God. You have been redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus, and maybe you've rejected it, but God says, I love you, not based on your behavior. I love you based on my character, and God looks at you, and he says, hey, I just want you to know I sent my son to become the sacrificial lamb to die for you, to redeem you, to atone for your sin, and I can tell you this today. Maybe you feel rejected. Maybe you feel ignored. The right people will value you in the right way, and the right person always will value you in the right way. His name is Jesus. I would encourage you to press in to the right person and the right narrative today. I personally believe that Jesus is standing with his arms wide open, and he's saying, come. If you're tired, if you're weary, if you're beat up, if you feel like a failure, come and I will give you life and give it to you abundantly. So cry out to Jesus and press in to the king today. Father, we love you and we praise you for being an awesome God. And Father, I do pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, even as we contemplate image, Years ago, people said images everything, and they were talking about the external, 
but you say image is everything because I created you in my image. You love us. You pursue us. You never give up on us. And Lord, there's people sitting here this morning that have never stumped in to that trusted relationship with you. Lord, they're still allowing external circumstances to dictate, determine, and define who they are. And I pray that they would repent right now in Jesus' name. I pray that they would cry out and say, Lord, please come in and take over my life and make me the person you desire me to be. Lord, I repent, I change my source, and I receive Jesus. I believe that Jesus is Messiah, Lord, Savior. He's my authority. I give my life to him right now in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you've ever stepped in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. And we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.